Saturday morning words and coffee. Another cold one. Getting close to the end of January in Toronto. And from my view off the balcony, I can see the smoke rising. Actually, I think it's mostly just steam <laughs> from the buildings along the city skyline. And that pretty much tells me the temperature. I never really have to check the temperature. The amount of steam that I see tells me how cold it is and the direction the steam is going tells me if it's windy or not. Kind of funny. Anyway, the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. We're heading south down to Arkansas. We're going to read a section from, I believe it's chapter 22. And in this chapter we find Huck Finn, the narrator of the story, of course, uh, following along. And what's just happened is a person named Sherburn has shot somebody and gone back to his house and the townspeople, friends, ostensibly, of the drunkard who was shot, not that he deserved it for being a drunk, but the friends of the drunkard whip themselves into a lather and they head up to Sherburn's house because they want to lynch him. And on the way they've grabbed clotheslines and other things and People are scurrying out of the way, jumping over fences to get out of the way of this mob that's heading up to Sherburn's house to lynch him. And we're going to read a section from that chapter just when they arrive up to the house. So here is a section from chapter 22 of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. They swarmed up in front of Sherburn's palings as thick as they could jam together and you couldn't hear yourself think for the noise. It was a little twenty-foot yard. Some sung out, Tear down the fence! Tear down the fence! Then there was a racket of ripping and tearing and smashing, and down she goes, and the front wall of the crowd begins to roll in like a wave. Just then, Sherburn steps out on the roof of his little front porch with a double-barreled gun in his hand and takes his stand, perfectly calm and deliberate, not saying a word. The racket stopped, and the wave sucked back. Sherburn never said a word, just stood there looking down. The stillness was awful creepy and uncomfortable. Sherburn run his eyes slowly along the crowd, and wherever it struck the people tried to outgaze him, but they couldn't. They dropped their eyes and looked sneaky. Then pretty soon Sherburn sort of laughed, not the pleasant kind, but the kind that makes you feel like when you're eating bread that's got sand in it. Then he says, slow and scornful, The idea of you lynching anybody. It's amusing, the idea of you thinking you had pluck enough to lynch a man, because you're brave enough to tar and feather poor friendless cast-out women that come along here. Did that make you think you had enough grit to lay your hands on a man? Why, a man's safe in the hands of ten thousand of your kind, as long as it's daytime and you're not behind him. Do I know you? I know you clear through was born and raised in the South, and I've lived in the North, so I know the average all around. The average man's a coward. In the north he lets anybody walk over him that wants to and goes home and prays for a humble spirit to bear it. In the south, one man all by himself has stopped a stage full of men in the daytime and robbed the lot. Your newspapers call you a brave people so much that you think you are braver than any other people, whereas you're just as brave and no braver. Why don't your juries hang murderers? Because they're afraid the man's friends will shoot them in the back in the dark, and it's just what they would do. So they always acquit, and then a man goes in the night with a hundred masked cowards at his back and lynches the rascal. 
Your mistake is that you didn't bring a man with you. That's one mistake. And the other is that you didn't come in the dark and fetch your masks. You brought part of a man, Buck Harkness there. And if you hadn't had him to start you, you'd have taken it out and blowing. You didn't want to come. The average man don't like trouble and danger. You don't like trouble and danger. But if only half a man like Buck Harkness there shouts, Lynch him, lynch him, you're afraid to back down, afraid you'll be found out for what you are, cowards, and so you raise a yell and hang yourselves onto that half a man's coattail and come raging up here, swearing what big things you're going to do. The pitifulest thing out there is a mob. That's what an army is, a mob. They don't fight with the courage that's born in them, but with courage that's borrowed from their mass and from their officers. But a mob without any man at the head of it is beneath pitifulness. Now the thing for you to do is to droop your tails and go home and crawl in a hole. If any real lynching's going to be done, it will be done in the dark, southern fashion. And when they come, they'll bring their masks and fetch a man along. Now leave and take your half a man with you, he said, tossing his gun up across his left arm and cocking it as he said it. The crowd washed back sudden and then broke all apart and went tearing off every which way, and Buck Harkness, he heeled it after them, looking tolerable cheap. I could have stayed if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. And that is chapter 22 from The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Controversial passage in its day and all the way up through, maybe it's still today, actually. I know that it uh, was taken as an insult by many in the South, the southern United States, that is. Maybe it's still taken that way. I remember reading somewhere that it wasn't even published in some books that were released in the southern United States. I don't really want to get into that history. The reason the mob's been on my mind lately is because I've just seen so many protests in the last couple of years. And sometimes I think of The Patriot by Browning, which is where the guy has got his hands tied behind his back and a year before he was extremely popular, and now he's not, and he's going to be hanged. We read The Patriot on Saturday Morning Words and Coffee some months ago. You can find it in the archives. This one's a little different, isn't it? In this one, uh, the person that the mob is after is not going to take it and says, uh, get out of here. And there's some truth in uh, the speech, I think, about the mob gathering strength from each other. Sometimes that's a good thing. People get together and can do good things when they're in a crowd, can't they? They can form a group that helps feed the poor or build a bridge. Uh, but unfortunately, humanity being what it is, we have our positives and our negatives. We have our extremes on either, either end. And so you can also have a mob that burns things down and murders people. And so what we have here is a crowd out for revenge, not interested in justice, such as maybe grabbing the guy and taking him to the police and then hence to court but instead we have them taking justice into their own hands or trying to and they want to hang him and he says no way and he's got that gun and he told them, tells them to back off and they recognize themselves according to him uh, for the cowards that they are and they run away I wonder if you've ever felt like you needed to stand up to a mob that was after you I think a lot of people do today and with the online stuff even online you can get mobs can't you we've seen it um there's political stuff going on right now with that kind of thing that i don't want to bother getting into 
but certainly the bullying online or something where a mob gets after somebody and can make them cancel their social media accounts and want to kind of go into virtual hiding. We see that all the time, I think, today. I hope that doesn't happen to you, and I hope you do have some strength to stand up for it, but in a kind of a way, I don't think it's a bad thing either to go into that hiding and to leave kind of those things behind. I haven't watched television news uh, for years now. I just simply turned it off one day and haven't looked back, and it hasn't bothered me in the least, and I still consider myself a fairly up-to-date person. I just stay away from the stuff that maybe triggers the need to want to get angry. I think maybe turning off the internet sometimes is good for that too, or if you are on the internet, use it to look at some good things. Maybe that's why I look back a lot with Saturday Morning Words and Coffee, or why I've gotten so into even the visual arts now, and looking at what the artists draw and things. Not necessarily always beautiful things. Um, sometimes stuff that still hits you hard, but there's just something about the way the past, you know, you could live your life back then and it wasn't so immediate. There wasn't a rage of the week, it seemed. There was rage. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a fool. Uh, there was even a protest and a mob after the death of Caesar a couple of thousand years ago, all the way up to the 1960s in Chicago and all the way to today. So there's always been that anger in the human spirit. But it didn't seem so immediate, or at least so fickle, that it would go from subject subject to subject, week to week, as it seems to do today. So maybe take some time thinking about how you would react to the mob if they were after you, physically or mentally, and uh, what you would say or do, and maybe what your escape plan might be if you feel that you're being bullied. I think it's worth maybe considering in this day and age of the internet, those kind of things. I hope it never happens to you, though, and if it does, I mean, I, I tend to see both sides. You know, I'm watching a mob right now online attack a few different public figures, and I don't even care if I agree with them or disagree with them politically. I just feel for them, and if you ever feel like uh, you need someone to talk to, whether I agree with your position or not, I will always talk to you, and you can always find me here when I don't skip it some days. <laughs> On Saturday morning, words and coffee. I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.